Welcome everyone to Blue Collar Startup. I'm your co-host, Mike Nelson, here with visionary founder, Derek Foster. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, doing all right. You know, I have a friend De- who's, yeah. whose name is Derek Foster Ellis, and I always, almost, when I say your name on the show, like every time I'm like, Derek Foster, I'm like, stop right there. It's not. Add an Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> Derek Foster. No, I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Yeah? Yeah, the weather's starting to turn. It's Things are good. Busy. Is it turning? I mean, there's actually sun out there, which is nice. Halfway through May. (sighs) The rain. I still haven't eaten my plants in the ground. They're all still in the window. It's too early yet. Isn't it? Is it? That's what I heard. I guess it depends on who you talk to. I'm like, I want to get my plants in the ground May 1st, but there's always a chance of frost. Like, we can get a frost as late as mid-May, so it's kind of like, it's tough. But I know all my apple trees are starting to blossom. And uh, pouring rain, cold weather, the bees aren't flying right now. It's like, yeah, it's taking a beating. Yeah, taking a beating. Like, last, we had five apples come off of one of my trees last year yeah. because of weather like Same. this. It's crazy. How's uh, you getting any sleep? How's that new baby? Oh, yeah. She's uh, she's a good sleeper, and my wife's a saint. So, uh, yeah, everything's good, man. I do the, the 10 o'clock feeding, and, and she's out for seven seven and a half hours yeah so you guys I do that whole wood. you guys have that thing that you did with your oldest right uh it worked great that sleep training thing that you did yeah we took a sleep class yeah somebody got <laughs> it as a, a present for us and i tell you what it's uh it was a good gift yeah what is it it's basically just a, a, a course like how to set a routine mm. so your your baby will uh develop a routine and be able to sleep through the night and it, interesting but we we did it for, you know, a week or two and we're like, wow, this actually works. So, yeah. I remember cool. you saying that with your first kid that you were just yeah, nice and regular and structured and yeah. Yeah. Now my oldest is uh running around and, you know, sitting on the couch with her and, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, had her on her lap this morning and just decided to let go, so I caught her. <laughs> I was like, good boy. The dad save? Yeah. You see those videos where the dad's yeah. doing all the, the moves to catch kids? Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. So things are, things are good. Very nice. Yeah. I tell you about my son locking me out of the house for the ice cream. Oh, that is, no. So I uh, two weekends ago, it's like Saturday, Kristen, I think, was out of town or something. So it was just me and Bodie at the house. And so it's like, you know, 9 o'clock on like a Sunday. <laughs> so I, I go outside. We've got three dogs. I let the dogs out. And I'm staying there because one of them's a little like four-pound chihuahua and uh, hawks and things like that. Yeah. And like the hawk will take your, your dog out you know, or your chickens for that matter. So I'm standing there and all of a sudden I look behind me and I just in time to see Bodie like shut the door, do something on the doorknob. And I'm like, God, you just locked me out. So I go test the door and the door's locked. And he just looks at me and I'm like, <sighs> he goes in the, and I can see through the window. He goes into the freezer, pulls out the gallon of chocolate ice cream and walks away with it. I <laughs> Knows what he's doing. Oh, he knew. He had a plan, dude. Like this kid is. So then I go around the side, the, around the house to like where the side porch is to see if I can get in through that way. Like maybe the living room door is open and he's on the side porch. He's got that door locked too. And he's just digging it with both hands, just scooping it with his hands, eating it. I was like, Bodie. I'm like, unlock the door. Let me in. And he's, he looks at me. He like stops. He's like mid shovel with his hands. He looks at me. He's like, no. And then just goes back to eating it. I was just, I'm like, you know, I'm doing the dog. I'm like, come on, let me in the house. You know, and he's just like not even here. Do you have a ring doorbell? I don't. That would have been great if that was on camera. To catch that on yeah, camera. Yeah, I, did, I do have like, I did get a, um, like a 10 second clip of him just shoveling ice cream into his <laughs> mouth out in the, 
on the front porch. That's pretty. You know, good. it's funny. Uh, I'm I'm home with my uh, my daughter over the weekend too, so it's just the two of us. So yeah. hopefully she doesn't lock me out. No, yeah, no, that would it's uh it's not a good time, believe me. Um, so anyway, we should probably get to the show, right? So yeah, uh, we got a, another great guest on. Yeah, yeah, Vince Laterra. Yes, I'm saying that correctly, right? Vince Laterra. Yes, very nice with Bonaccio Construction. Yep. Now I, you're a project manager. Yeah, project manager. So I'm really excited you're here, actually, because that I was thinking about our own business and like kind of the way that we structured and a couple of growing pains that we're we're feeling right now. I'm trying to figure my way through them. So I was excited to have you on, um, mainly for selfish reasons, I guess, at that point. But uh, tell us a little bit about what a project manager does. So I've been one, I've been with them for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the project manager essentially takes. The drawings, you know, creates the budget usually, and then they, you know, depending on what the scope of the project is, you know, defines the scope, and then first buys out the project and creates a schedule, and then pretty much orchestrates the whole project. So you're, you know, if you want to build, you know, a new office mm-hmm. from the ground up, you know, I'm finding the concrete guy and the site guy, you know, the framer, the cider, the windows, you know, ordering the windows. Mm-hmm getting everything there, you know, on time, you know, finding your long lead items, you know, so identifying the things that, you know, when the, when the building's, you know, framed up and if I didn't order the windows, you know, that's me not doing a good job, you know, so having everything there and then, um, you know, having the expectations with the client on the price up front, And, you know, of course, if there's any changes, you know, the price goes up or down, if there's any delays and then really, the hard part is, you know, you know, forming relationships with subcontractors these days because mm-hmm. there's not that many of them. You know, everyone's, you know, has their, you know, labor shortage. Yeah. So it's just, you know, creating that team to do the project and, you know, you take it from beginning to end. So you're really the main point of contact for the client or customer, right? Yes. And then simultaneously, I mean, you're really kind of, I mean, you're leading the whole charge on this. Like the, everything that goes on, you're really the conductor that's orchestrating the whole deal is that yes which usually happens in my truck on the phone right (laughs) it's all it's all all on my phone pretty much yeah Yeah. yep yeah running from job to job to job communication yeah how how many jobs do you think you're typically managing at once when i first started it was more i had like i had up to like 12 jobs but they're you know in the few hundred thousand dollar range each Mm -hmm. right now i'm kind of more geared towards one or two big jobs, you know, like right now the job that I'm doing is like 20 million. The last one was like 15 million. So now it's just one more, just one big, you know, one or two year mm-hmm. project, which is kind of nice, but it's just got a lot of pieces to it. A lot it. of pieces, yeah. yeah. The smaller jobs, when you do multiple, you know, they all have the same steps. So they all, re- you know, they require the same amount of work because every step is still taken. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. What, um, do you use any kind of specialized software? I'm always curious about this. Like, like what, you know, like, and you don't have to say like what specific one. I'm just wondering if you use, like, how do you manage all that stuff? Spreadsheets and. I mean, know. I'm pretty old school. So yeah, you got a yeah. notebook and a pencil or. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Notebook, <laughs> pencil. It. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I print out the drawings and, you know, highlighters and with a ruler and measure mm-hmm. stuff. But I mean, so I, I personally don't use any programs. Um, if you wanted to, there's you know, programs for estimating that, you mm-hmm. know, you could drag, you know, a pointer across and you can measure things and yeah. it'll kind of price it out or whatnot. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely old school in that aspect. 
And do you like, so how, so how does it work for you? I mean, like you have all these parts and pieces, you're with a notebook and a pencil, uh, you know, like how, how, again, how do you keep track of it all? Are you like just constantly reading, writing notes down and then going back to them later? You know, I tried the note taking, It, it does work. Yeah. But I mean, so like right now it's just so secondhand that it's just kind of like, I don't really turn off like work. And like life, it's just kind of like always rotating in my head. So Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, identifying like your critical things you have to do tomorrow and today and like next week Mm -hmm. and kind of just setting benchmarks in your head for milestones and just, you know, doing the things, you know, once you know how to do it, it's just a matter of, it's just second nature, you know, to come to a point. How do you define, and I think for, uh, you know, all entrepreneurs and, and people who are, are building things, it's difficult to discern, okay, what it's easy to get pulled in so many different directions, especially when you have so many people pulling at your time. So how do you, how do you determine what's most important on a day-to-day basis? That is a good question. I told you they weren't going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, identifying the things that need to get done, I guess it's more de- putting a timeline to the items that need to be done. So if everyone's pulling at you and you know, you know, if 10 things are pulling at you and you know, three of them, you're like, shit, I got to get this done today. And then the other three's like, you know, you maybe reach out and say, do you really need this today? Or could have waited through, you know, a few days, even though they think it's today and they're like, ah, okay, you know, yeah, we don't need it today. So then it's kind of, you know, filtering out and separating, you know, the priority items quickly and managing the expectation of the other person that's pulling on you so they know and communicating back to them like, hey, I'm on this, but, you know, it's not going to be until Friday and it's Monday, you know. And then if there's something that's like, we got to do this now, then, you know, you do it now. And then you still have to, you know, allocate in your head how long is this going to take me? You know, it's three o'clock right now. Realistically, I got time to do two more things and that's it. And then you don't want to spread yourself thin because you don't want to do, you know, too many things all, you know, half-ass. A lot of communication and, and prioritizing. Yeah. Based on due dates. And then, yeah, and managing, you know, managing the expectations on the other end. How much of your job do you think is problem solving? My background is actually in engineering, which that's what they like, you know, that's pretty much engineering is problem solving. So yeah. I look at it as everything as a problem so, I mean, if, so, if, yeah, I mean, the whole job, I mean, life is problem solving, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. Well, and I guess I just, I asked that, you know, because I, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of conversations. I just had a conversation with someone who was, I don't want to say complaining or whining, but let's just say they were lamenting about the amount of time they spent dealing with challenges. Uh, and I know I, every once in a while I start whining about it too, and then I catch myself doing it. But I'm just... You know, I guess my, my question is, if everything's problem solving, that can be stressful, right? right. So, you know, but if, but if you're not looking at it, like, like that's just how everything is. It, it, it probably doesn't stress you out or I, mean, I guess I'm wondering, one, do, does all that problem solving stress you out? And two, if it does, like, how do you deal with that or other than martinis? <laughs> well, wine, yeah, wine <laughs> and calamari from Mamma Mia's does help right. on a Tuesday. Yeah, I when yeah, that does help. Um I mean, I, I enjoy problem solving. I guess what would stress me out is when you're problem solving and you don't have control over the items. Mm-hmm. So then you either have to be patient 
or try to find a way around it. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're limited, you're limited. But problem solving in general is, I enjoy. So it's fun for you. It's kind of fun for me. So things go wrong, get messed up, and you're like, yes. Yes. I'm like, yes. How could (laughs) we get out of this? (laughs) It it definitely uh, can be fun. Yeah. And exciting for sure. Right? Yeah, it yeah. takes a lot of a lot of mental toughness, and I think you alluded to it. it just you build it over the years. Yeah, exactly. Once you're conditioned, like because, like, I mean, when first started out, you know, if something goes wrong, and you're like, "What are we gonna do?" Mm-hmm. Now it's like, "Oh yeah, just do this," and you know, and then it just becomes like we've been in this position before. Yeah, you've seen. You know? it. Yeah, and if you don't take on more challenging things, then you you won't get conditioned. So it's just like working out, you know, you have to, you know, condition your brain and condition, you know, to keep pushing forward and challenges. That's actually how I stay so young. Yeah. It's, it's I just. Bike races. The, yeah, yeah, just, no, no. I mean, just always getting stressed out by problems. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it makes me, keeps me, keeps me, young, keeps me excited. <laughs> what, uh, what do you think like the, the craziest thing? Without throwing anybody under the bus, obviously. What's the craziest situation you ever ran into on a job site? We were doing the Universal Preservation Hall. Yeah. And we just had Teddy on one of our other podcasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. There was one time where, so like, so the cathedral ceiling, like Mm -hmm. the main ceiling up there. So we had to do a ton of work in that attic. And, the guy, the site super that I've been working with for a while now, Nick, we just were like just looking up, you know, 40 feet high. Like, how are we going to do any of this work? Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, we came up with, you know, a way to get people up in the attic first and then getting, you know, 30 foot LVLs up there. I mean, we had a hoist in the I mean, I, I got to show you guys pictures because, I mean, the wow. way we did it was barbaric, but there was no other way to do it. Um, obviously all OSHA compliant. I mean, well, yeah. So hopefully we, this is, yeah. <laughs> Do we want to edit that part out? I don't want to get anybody in trouble. It's a uh, statute limitations. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, having that one was that, that whole project was crazy. Everything we did to get like logistics wise yeah. to get into, you know, and to deal with, you know, an historic building that we had to preserve, I mean, yeah, maybe one person's feet fell through the roof, or through the ceiling once, but that was it. But, you know, it was, it was, there were some sketchy cowboy moments in there. So you ever see those, uh, those things on, um, like Instagram or whatever, the video or on YouTube, the videos of why, why women live longer than men. Well, you ever see those? No. And they have like, the, really? I don't think so. No. Oh my God. They have like all these crazy videos. <laughs> it's almost always of like, like guys using like six different ladders to get up to a point that, and that none of the ladders are being held, you know, like, or like one of them was, uh, they had guys standing on either side of a ladder so it wouldn't go in either direction. And then a guy climbing the ladder straight up to like hit a fixture up there or whatever it is, you know, like just funny stuff like that. As when you said that, that's what came to mind. Obviously it wasn't that. that, that yeah. yeah, there yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so how did, how did you get into construction events? What's your, what's your background? So I went to Syracuse University for civil engineering, and um, my dad worked in New York City in construction for like all my life. But we lived up here, so he would drive every day to New York City, which I thought was crazy. So I used to go to work with him when I was little, so I would, you know, wake up at three in the morning, go down with him, and... 
So like that's where I saw construction. I saw skyscrapers, you know, getting built at a young age. And then I just remember my dad bringing me into an office with like a guy in a, you know, a tie. And he's like, don't be like me, be like that guy right there. And I was like, huh, okay. That was like at 10, so whatever. So I went to engineering for college. And then I just realized you learn how to build on paper through engineering. But I just want, like, I, I wanted to learn how to build in like real life. So I went to construction after engineering. So everyone else that I, you know, I graduated with, you know, became a professional engineer and did the whole engineering thing. So now when I work with engineers on projects, you know, they still don't know what's really going on. So I don't know, I wanted the, you know, best of both worlds yeah. to see it. So, and I like construction is just more fun to me to see it actually be built, you know, mm -hmm. rather than just putting stuff on paper. Yeah. 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 And I've, and I went, I got, I wanted to pay my student loans off. So I saw Bonaccio, you know, was in town a lot doing work. So I applied to them and I, you know, right out of college, I've been with them since. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then, and good company to work for. Yeah. Great company. Yeah. Good family company. And, you know, it's, yeah. You got to edit anything. I can't say anything about. No, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you called me before I came yeah. on the show. Um, no, no issues. Yeah. I, well, I just wonder, you know, because obviously, you know, Derek, you know, you've done it. You've got a, a large company, over 100 employees, 150 employees, I think sometimes, right? Or, that, yeah. or, or you're. Damn. Fluctu it fluctuates a little bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But I know that you're you're in that 100, 150 range and, you know, uh, and Bonacci is what, a couple hundred now? Yeah. Yeah. When you combine everything, a few hundred people. Yeah. 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 And I just, you know, when, when you're building companies that large, I, you know, to me, I'm just like, you must be doing something right from a retention standpoint. You're not rehiring 100 to 150 or 200 employees every couple of months. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not sustainable. So I just, it's, I'm always curious about, one, what the people inside the environment are saying about how it is to work there. And then the second part is, you know, like, what are you doing to, to build that? It's a lot of, I think it's a lot of culture driven, you know, and then hiring people that are aligned with the values that we set, you know, ours, the communication, integrity and teamwork. So if you don't have one of those, you're not going to, you're not going to yeah. fit in. Um, and it's almost, it's gotten to the point where it's almost awkward for people that come on and they see the way that we do things and they're like, well, wait a minute, this, not what I signed up for. Yeah. And, and you know, that's okay. It's not for everybody, but we've created a culture of, you know, being competitive and, and growing, you yeah. know, growing as a, a person and, and growing your career. Um, you know, and it's, it's about doing the right thing all the time. Yeah. You know, if you do the right things, good things happen and people start to see that and they start to gravitate towards it. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with Bonaccio and, and Vince and Paul for a, for a long time and they do things the right way. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's evident, you know, in, in their culture as well. Um, do do you think, like, what do you do? Like, obviously, nothing always goes to plan. Right. right? Well, does anything ever go to plan? No, <laughs> you know, you're like, right. Yeah. So, like, what do you do or how do you deal with situations when things are going in the wrong wrong direction? They're going bad. Clients pissed or just something really bad happens. Big hiccup in the project. Like, how do you, what do you do? Usually I bring, you know, I'll talk with usually my, you know, project manager, usually at, like the right hand man is the site supervisor. Mm -hmm. That's the first person I go to. And we just, you know, sit down and whether outside or, you know, inside, you know, sitting at the table in the trailer and just be like, how the hell are we going to get out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> and then start making the calls and building the team that you need to, you know, 
you know, support <laughs> to you. fix whatever it right. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I got, I mean, I, I was texting Derek yesterday because they pulled me in at the, you know, they needed help at this other project and, um, you know, last minute, you know, what do you do? And that's when the relationships come into play mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, doing the right thing, like Derek was saying is, you know, you don't want to burn bridges in this industry because right. then you'll have no one. And then when you do come to problems, there's always, you know, there's always a solution, mm -hmm. but you always need, you know, a big pile of resources, you know, in your pocket, you know, that is, it's give and take with them, but you, you know, you, there's, there's answers there. But that takes, you know, that takes years to build up. You know, yeah. I didn't have that when I first started. What'd you do when you first started? Just put and kicked it under the rug. <laughs> hope it went away. <laughs> Closed my eyes and, yeah. and hoped. Yeah, I uh, think we were, we were texting about six o'clock last night and figuring that out. <laughs> literally, yeah. Figuring out the situation, yeah. 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 But it, I think, like you said, though, nice to be able to have people that you can count on. It's like the... The old, the old joke about, you know, the, how many people do you know you can call at two o'clock in the morning and tell them you need 300 bucks, no questions kind of deal. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, you need at least a couple of those people in your pocket. Hopefully yeah. you never have to make that call, but, uh, exactly. Very nice. What, um, when you look at, so we talked about like one of your biggest challenges, like what's, and we talked about kind of having a, uh, a bench, so to speak, of people that you can go to when, when things get dicey. What, what do you think are some other things or other ways or other resources that people, project managers, or even just people that are in a blue collar industry and they're doing their own project management, maybe they're a smaller company, like what other kinds of things should they have in their toolbox, so to speak, for when things go wrong? I mean, I think of, I think a calm perspective about it at least to, you know, you know, looking at identifying the, it's identifying the problem, you mm -hmm. know, first. And then, I mean, not for nothing, but Google, I mean, the internet's a big, <laughs> I mean, it's a big search engine of anything, you know, stupid or little. Yeah. And then going to, um, you know, finding out, finding out the parts that you need to fix it. So, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, what other resources or that you would, you know, rely on? Or words of wisdom or, or, you know, like I think you said, like, you know, keeping a cool head, right, is one of them. Not yeah, not going off the handle and screaming and yelling at people because that doesn't do anything to fix the problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I would common sense. I mean, always go back to common sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if there's, you know, if you're doing something structurally, something's falling. I mean, it's gravity. I mean, you know, if, you know, structural engineers, you know, yes, they could put, you know, formulas together and engineer the structure, but it's it's common sense, you know, you bring it to the ground, you know, and you need something firm on the ground to hold it up. You mm -hmm. know, there's, so always relate back to your common sense. Common sense. Yeah. That's still, I mean, not everyone has common sense either. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny because you said, I'm just thinking about some of the situations I've seen lately and I'm like, mm, yeah. Can you hire for common sense? That should be a company value. <laughs> yeah. Right. Core value, common sense. Um, so what's your, I guess, what's your outlook? And, and I know Paul shared a little bit with us, what's your, uh, your outlook with workforce development and, um, you know, where are you, where are you guys sourcing staff and, and sourcing subcontractors from? So we are, we have a, 
pretty good informal relationship with BOCES and, you know, and how they get, you know, we take their kids when they're usually their spring of their senior year for internships, not paid. And then usually when, by the time they're graduating, we take them, you know, and hire them for the summer. And then if, you know, if all goes well, then we, you know, we hire them full time. So we have, um, at least, I mean, we, right now, like I have two, two guys, two BOCES kids that we're working with that uh, we just hired and they've been with us for a year. They worked at, they're working at Stonequist right now. They're, you know, they just, you know, help finish the PDT market. So they're, you know, becoming a valuable part of the team. And we just got them straight from high school. And what BOCES is doing is they're creating kind of a, like for sports teams, when, you know, like when, you know, at a high school level, when they're getting signed from a college, you know, like they have that big signing day. So now they're kind of, they're doing, they're having fun with it. So now these kids, you know, they're taken from BOCES and they're having, you know, a signing day because all their other colleagues are going to colleges and they think they're, you know, so they're trying to like equal it out because mm -hmm. now, because before it was like college, college, college. And now it's like, you know, there's a big gap that we need to fill for the trade. So how can we make mm -hmm. it, you know, more exciting? So, yeah, I mean, one of the kids were like, you know, he sat down and, you know, we gave him a hat and they said, you know, he's being signed with Bonaccio Construction, you That's know, cool. and it's like everyone's clapping and, you know, they take a picture, we shake his hand and then, you know, so, but we're getting a lot of kids from that and, you know, they don't know anything. They're mm -hmm. green. So I think the next step is, you know, the training aspect and I think that's the biggest challenge now for us is, is finding more the time and patience to, you know, train these kids because yeah, you, now, you, you know, everyone wants younger kids, but once you have them, mm -hmm. that's part one. Part two is, you know, making them an asset and you, they don't just, you, you need to put time to that. And I think, um, you know, getting pulled in a lot of directions and, you know, still doing your own job and having the time to train someone <clears throat> takes a lot of effort. And yeah, it pays off for sure. But who, you know, everyone is moving so fast in this world right now, like, you know, with technology and everything, it's, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So somebody signs with you guys. What is their, what does their path look like? And how is their individual efforts rewarded along the way? So the path I would say is, you know, they start, you know, as a laborer, you know, they start, you know, construction cleanup, you know, moving this, you know, carrying this out and then starting them on tasks that are, you know, more elementary, you know, cut and trim and, you know, just, you know, learning how to use a saw and finding the projects that, you know, they could be good at because not every construction project has, you know, training opportunities. So finding those projects that they, that's like what BOCES, you know, they say, go build a shed, you know, and then, you know, they learn every step of that, but not every, you know, not every, you know, project has that, you know, it could be a high end kitchen that you're doing and you don't want, you know, the labor, you know, cutting the trim for that. So there's, you know, a part of that is just, you know, them watching other people do it and yeah, you still have to pay them, you know, but you're not getting, you're not getting that out, you know, you're not getting that dollar value out of them initially, mm -hmm. but you hope that they catch on and to keep them engaged, 
you know, it's tough, but I think it starts with finding the right people to begin with and finding them that come out of high school and want to do construction, like the battle's already won, Mm -hmm. you know, then it's just keeping them and keeping them engaged, which, you know, you know, making, you know, new projects and things exciting for them and money always helps when, you know, you give them extra, you know, a raise here or there. Um, So, yeah. What traits do you look for before you hire a student? think it goes to me more you know having some initial conversations with them you know getting their background and then why asking them why they want to do construction and you know one I mean one it was, he was an older guy I mean he was you know maybe late 20s but I remember interviewing him and he was he's like um I dropped out of high school at 16 and I've been doing construction ever since I'm like hired <laughs> i mean it's like <laughs> great like right. yes like let's go i mean those people that like like to work with their hands you know it's a different it's a different breed mm-hmm. and then there's a whole other side of that that are you know that think the trades are you know like a negative thing and it's all about college so right. if those kids already believe that the trades is like if they see the opportunity then it's just about showing them after that and you guys have, you know, different opportunities within the organization to identify and move people around to, to work towards their strengths. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're every, you know, there's there's like seven project managers. Everyone's got, you know, a few jobs. So sometimes we're like, hey, I'm, you know, take, take uh, you know, take these two kids over to your job. It's perfect for them right now. Take them, use them for three, four months, you know, teach them some of that. And then, you know, so that we could pass them around and then get a little, you know, slice of kind of every kind of experience. So, yeah, there's there's different there's different opportunities for sure. I'm curious, you know, you talking about the different age groups, you know, the the person that, you know, uh, dropped out at 16. I've been, you know, working with my hands for the last 20 years. Uh, do you see anything like with the with the younger kids? Like, you know, every generation's like likes to be like, ah, oh, these freaking kids. Oh, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. But like, do you see that or do you not see that? Like, what do you see with the crop of kids that are coming out of high school or maybe coming out of college and coming into Panaccio? I think it still goes back to, you know, like what did their parents teach them? So I mean, mm-hmm. if their parents weren't, you know, handy or didn't teach them anything. Then yeah, they if they still want to get involved in construction, but they didn't have that, they didn't have that, you know, grind that, you know, the generations above us did. You know, mm-hmm. they were like the baby boomers. That was like they were the last badass generation <laughs> to me, I think. I mean, they did everything. I mean, themselves. I'm Generation X, I think we're pretty badass, but that's just me. That's just me. <laughs> I think it's I mean, it's about it's about your mentors and it's about, yeah. you know, usually if you find a kid that is into, you know, building something, they have someone in their head that taught them something, mm-hmm. you know, what they learned from or they saw. But if they don't see that, you know, if, you know, if their dad's a lawyer, then he wants to be a lawyer. So it's still that kind of, you know, that mentor trait. Yeah. Just kind of what they see growing up. and Part of it. Yeah. Whether there's a dog here. <laughs> Say, I heard the newspaper it's right calling on, in. Right on time. Right on time. <laughs> You'd think that we would move our record time. It's almost like a it's a thing now. It's part of the show now. <laughs> the newspaper showing up and the backup, the backup alarm. Nice. 
It's so, very nice. So Vince, for you, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess your, your father would obviously be a mentor uh, for you. Uh, along the way, uh, were there other people as well that, that helped you and coached you? I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone, I mean, everyone, you know, older than me at Bonaccio. I mean, I started with them. I was the youngest person. I mean, everyone, everyone, <laughs> I mean, everyone I took, you know, a piece of and, you know, we all, you know, they, they taught me a lot of stuff. I mean, Tony Bonaccio, I remember yelling at me a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> and sunny. So yeah, now, and that was before it was like politically incorrect or politically Back when it was still yes, yelling yes, at your employees. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like, you know, I said, you could still yell at me, guys. Because <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> you it miss works. it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. It works for me. You don't have to sugarcoat it. But yeah. yeah so, Do you feel that, um, when, let me ask you this question. Because I, I recently just ran into a, a situation that similar to what I'm asking about. But when, when, you, when they were, you know, quote, quote, yelling at you, did you ever feel like your job was in trouble? Or it was just they were like... Um, maybe in, in the first couple yells, but when it became more of a routine, no, yeah. I don't, I mean, it was more, it was still about getting the job done. Mm -hmm. It was still more geared towards like getting it fixing done. the situation. Right, yeah. Right. Not like, not like you suck, you can't do this. Right, it's not right. going to work. You know, it was just more like, you know, it's construction is a lot of yelling and you know, yeah. it's, you know, so it was just kind of more the. The, um, well, it's loud. It's loud on job sites. Yeah. You have to be heard, right? Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta raise your voice. Yes. Well, and I ask it because I recently I had an employee where, you know, we had a situation where we, I don't want to say that we messed something up, but we were working on a project. It was taking too long. Uh, we needed to make some changes and I didn't have time to like really coddle them. So I was just very assertive with them, you know, and I, and I know that he felt afterwards like, Again, I didn't raise my voice to him. I don't do that with with the people that I work with. But um, he felt like maybe his job was in mm. trouble. You know what I mean? And so, like, he emailed me or texted me something like later on. And I was like, buddy, I'm like, you've been working here eight months. Like, you're part of the family. Like, I'm not, you'd have to mess up like really bad at this point for me to fire you. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, just not being where we want to be in a project is a yeah. completely different story. But that's when you're saying that. It's like you know. You're there 11 years. They're yelling at you. Like, I just wonder if other people, like, do they feel like their job's in trouble just because they got, you know, quote, unquote, talked to? Or Yeah, I mean, I think so. For Yeah, I mean, it's you learn from your mistakes, mm -hmm. you know. But, yeah, I mean, if you're – if you're – if you're – just don't make the same mistake twice, you know. Right. It's, you know, if you, how many times could you make the same mistake? And then I think that's, that's the line that gets crossed. So – Yeah. You got any input on that, Derek? I know you probably – have a situation where you have to have oh so yeah several conversations. yeah <laughs> it, it's we have a lot of uh junior uh managers and people who are mm -hmm. are learning and uh feeling their way about and, and learning to deal with people and um there's always things that are beyond our control especially in our industry because yeah. it's it's so many variables um but teaching them to take a step back and and look at everything and you know, again, if, if a mistake does happen and we sit down, okay, what, what happened? What was the situation? Mm -hmm. Why'd you make the decision? What went wrong? And, you know, what can we do better next time? Right. You know, that's like my favorite it. phrase lately. Um, <laughs> but, and that's just that, that's it. It gives them the confidence to, to keep moving. Yeah. But the, you can't change what just happened. So keep, keep moving and don't do yeah, it Yeah. Focus on, focus on the prize, right? Yeah. Move yeah. on. Yeah. 
Yeah, move on. Don't dwell on it. Yeah, move on. Have that hold you hostage for the next six months. Uh, so I know we're getting uh, short on time, but um, I know some of the things we, we typically ask, right? Like, uh, you, you got any uh, crazy morning routines that you do, you know? like uh, That one I got to keep keep under wraps. You got to keep that one? Yeah, yeah, keep that under wraps. <laughs> morning yoga. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with yoga, that's no, for sure. not at all. Uh, what about... Uh, what would you say your secret to success is? Um, I think consistency is important. You know, keeping keeping consistency is is definitely is definitely something that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. You want, I mean, if you know all the people that you know have successful business, you know, they, everyone has, you know, all their clients have the same you know, review of that person, you know, so you want to make sure you, you know, give everyone that same, you know, consistent, good job that, you know, that they expect from you. And if they refer you, then, you know, they expect that Mm -hmm. because that's what that person said about you. So then it's, you know, you know, keeping that reputation and consistency intact is definitely um, one of the many things that will help, you know, success. Yeah. And that you actually made me think of something I, I meant to ask you earlier. So I apologize. I'm going to backtrack real quick. But as a project manager, are you also selling? Y- yes. Yeah. And I'm so, and again, because I'm just, we're working through some structural changes right now. We're trying to figure this situation out of do we have project managers sell? Are they responsible for sales? Are salespeople project managers? I'm just curious how you guys do it. Like, so you're managing a project. If you didn't sell it, it comes in, it gets handed to you, and then you're off to the races, so to speak, right? You're hitting the ground running. Yes. If you sell a project, how does that work for you guys? We're not, I mean, we're not, part of our job description isn't, Mm -hmm. you know, selling. Right. But usually what happens is either, you know, after the project, you know, that client reaches out to you direct and Mm -hmm. say, hey, like, we want to do something else, you know, and then you're meeting with the client and then you're developing it, you know, from the ground up, you Mm -hmm. know, the drawings and then you get the architect involved. So it's more if it's a repeat customer, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on. And then eventually, you know, some clients only like working with that or only know or, you know, enjoy working with that one project manager. Mm -hmm. So then they're reaching out to them direct for all their needs going forward. So it's, it's a part of it. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate that. Sorry to jump back a little bit, but I'm Wanted to make sure no, I asked that. Was a good question. Uh, thanks, we're kind of we're kind of we're going through that too. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's always like how much, like, how much before it's too much on somebody. Yeah, you know, um, a little bit different, I think, in our industry. But you mm-hmm. know, uh, it's great that you guys have that opportunity. Um, and Vince just actually uh, won the forty under forty award. Oh yeah, this year. Yes. Are, you yeah, going nice. to, are you going to the luncheon tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tomorrow. see him tomorrow. Well, you yeah. kind of have to go to that. I know. Lunch. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you. That's good awesome. for you, man. Yeah. I know that's uh, not an honor they bestow lightly. Yeah. No, people, it's so. it's definitely a cool one. Definitely a cool one. Yeah. Get, do a lot of volunteers to to get that? Like, how, how do you? What's the criteria for forty under forty these days? It's been a while since I was on the You have to be nominated and, uh, you know, people got to nominate you in. Vote you and there's a committee that decides all that fun stuff, right? I believe so, yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, I'm on the 
Saratoga Springs Preservation Foundation Board. We're doing a historic house in town. And, I just had uh, uh, yeah. Samantha. Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, she was just nice. here on, was it yesterday? God, this week is so weird. It's going quick. Monday or Tuesday. She was just in here, though, talking oh. about the uh, event they have coming up. And yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. And talked a little bit about the the house on the house is on Phyla Street. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you got Shaken and Surd coming up. Yeah, that's, that's another one. Yeah. 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 That's a fun one. You going to that? Yeah, we'll be there yeah. for sure. Going to that? What is, you, what is that? I got it right here. Shaken and stirred celebrity bar attending party for uh, UPH, which is the Universal Preservation okay. Hall. Yeah, um, it's on Thursday, May. I love that we're giving a plug right now. <laughs> Teddy, if you ever hear this, uh, Thursday, May eighteenth, two thousand twenty-three, from five thirty to nine p.m. at Saratoga National Golf Course. Oh, nice! Basically, and you guys have a team, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, they have all these different uh, organizations basically put a team together, and it's themed. And then it's uh, they're like it's a competition to see who can raise the most money, which team can raise the, the most money. So uh, the Saratoga one, or the I'm sorry, the Stewart's one is like the the Stewart's movers and shakers, or something like something yeah. cow related. What, <laughs> what are you guys? We are. Are you allowed to talk about it? No, yeah, we're we're okay. like we're cowboys, or yeah, we're like a wild wild west. Wild theme. wild west, yeah. very yeah. cool. Are you a good bartender? <laughs> no, I no, I make them heavy though because I, yeah, I, I mean that's how I define good bartenders. So uh, got a heavy heavy hand. I give a lot of respect to bartenders. Being back there, it may, they make it look easy, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's a tough job for sure. Yeah. For sure. What? Um, I know one of the last questions we usually uh, so we can get you out of here and get you back to work. Um, if you were going to tell uh, you know someone blue collar business maybe they're a business owner maybe they're a project manager you know if you, if you were going to tell them one thing that was going to help them be successful what what would it be hmm one thing to be successful i would say to if you have a team of people always know Ever, always know your role and how to make get the best out of someone else. And I think it's important to be aware of that because, you know, you're, everyone has strengths and weaknesses and mm -hmm. sometimes people's strengths are their strengths and their weaknesses are going to say their weaknesses. You know, you could always work on things, but I mean, to get the best out of your team, you know, really know who and, you know, what good things your team is. And, you know, then it goes back to, you know, everyone staying consistent and being able to solve problems. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, something like that. I mean, something I, like that. it came out better in my head, but yeah. <laughs> I think it sounded pretty good too, man. Uh, and if people want to uh, find out more about Panacho Construction, about what you guys are working on, you know, uh, where can they find you guys? Yeah. I mean... Just walk downtown Saratoga. I mean, there'll be enough signs and out there. Around, yeah. yeah, I mean, Bonacho.com. I mean, we we're always hiring and always looking for more people. So we got a lot of uh, a lot of big work coming up, you know, for the next few years. Yeah. You know, already slated up. So, I mean, we're always looking. And, you know, you know, Sonny, you know, Bonacho's doing a, you know, taking a lot of respect and building up a succession plan for the company. So a lot of younger staff, you know, as the old guys are retiring finally, then you know <laughs> the younger guys are pushing up so i yeah. mean it's um you know not every company's you know does that you know i mean so a lot of companies you know when you know they're 
they're, you know, had employees start, you know, retiring, there's nothing in place and mm -hmm. you know, usually they shut their doors. So they're really focusing on uh, building the next generation, you know, for the next two generations. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for coming us. in. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Derek, always nice. good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Absolutely. Everybody, uh, make sure you check us out. You can find us everywhere podcasts are. And when I say everywhere, what I really mean is Apple, Spotify, and Google podcast places. Uh, you can also find us at bluecollarstartup.io. Make sure while you're there, check out the Blue Collar Blueprint. That's a bunch of extra free content. It's uh, some of the people we have in the podcast doing some more stuff, um, talking about running, operating blue collar businesses. There's, you know, every aspect of your business. So uh, and it's free. So sign up, check it out. And uh, thanks for listening.